Always Aggravated, a Mike Valenti signature podcast. Always Aggravated, presented by the D Las Vegas. Hey, when you're in Vegas, check out the D.com, book your stay. The D's in the middle of everything downtown, the long bar, the sports bar, sports book. They got it all. It's the D Las Vegas. It's your home for sports in Las Vegas. On this week's episode of Always Aggravated, we cover a wide spectrum. Everything from Thanksgiving etiquette and why old people don't have it, a disastrous flight from the West Coast for me, a little bit of hockey talk, both analytics and what's going on in the league with Will Birchfield, and then the power rank. And of course, you know I got into Rams and Chiefs. Episode two next. Let's do it. All right, so with the holidays in the air, I have brought the gentlemen together, Sully, Hatchet, Roberto, myself, and the idea of of traditions, and I have a feeling we're going to stumble on a few things, but also, Roberto, you have this etiquette list we are going to get into where big family holidays, there is no etiquette. How someone thinks there's an etiquette list, I need to hear, but we're going to do this. We'll go around a little bit. Every family's got wacky traditions, different things. Have a little bit fun with the holidays uh, in the mix here, especially Thanksgiving. So, Roberto, go ahead. Let me let me see some of this fine research you've put together. Okay, so these first couple ones, I you know, they remind me of Matt Patricia because I wonder what his, you know, manners and etiquette are for a Thanksgiving feast. Solid posture. Uh, well, yeah. Now, this this one is dress appropriately. Is he going to be dressed appropriately for he Thanksgiving? Fails. No, he fails. What will he be wearing? See, my family, I'm, I'm staying away from that. Uh, my my family had to dress nice. My mom wouldn't let us, like, if we were going to my grandparents or something, like, you had to wear something nice, even as a little kid. Like, you were pulling that button-up out or that terrible sweater that you never wanted to wear to school. You had to dress nice. It was itchy. No, but there was no hats. That was never Oh, no. You had to dress nice. Growing up, my family, we would go to the Lions game, which we know is a Detroit tradition. Ah. A Detroit tradition. Go to the Lions game, and then we, you know, maybe go to my uncle's house after. Yeah, I gotta, say, I gotta be honest. I these people that go to this game on Thanksgiving, <laughs> losers. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I know I'm supposed to understand it's tradition. And I'm supposed to understand that it's this special thing. This football team is has has always been garbage. Is garbage now, and probably will forever be garbage. Why would you break up a holiday where you could be at home with your family to be at a football game? And it's a subpar one at that. I never, I didn't understand it when I had to work the Thanksgiving Day games. I sure as hell don't get it now that I don't. And I know, I, I, I know what people are going to do. Oh, there he goes again. It's another one of our tradition. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, let me ask you about this tradition. <laughs> it's Roberto, it is. It's this, totally ridiculous. This tradition that I started in my household now with the kids, the night before Thanksgiving, we go and walk around and see the parade floats. There's no now, issue with that. Now, is that a loser? No. There's no, there's no issue with that. I'm yeah. saying, like, okay, growing up, if my dad tried to tell my mom, hey, I'm going to the Giants game tomorrow, <laughs> she'd serve him with papers. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. Uh, but, like, but you'll see these groups of guys at the game, and what? Everybody's home cooking so these slobs can come home and eat? Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> I just, I've never understood it. I mean, Roberto, like, does anyone in your family go to this game? No, absolutely not. So who's doing this still? I don't know anyone who goes. Sully's family, do you guys still go? Honestly, it varied. You know, there'd be years where we would go. There'd be years where we wouldn't go. But that's why they have the game at 1230. So then afterwards, you can still go home. You can still get the the Thanksgiving dinner. And that's the point of it. 
Well, maybe this is one that if you did go to the game, you could never adhere to this But see, uh, wait a etiquette. Thanksgiving dinner should be 1 o'clock. 1 p.m. Well, everyone's because, got their own time, too. Well, no, no, it, it's, it's 1 I like, p.m. I like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. No, you, you're, do. doing, you're doing it wrong. No, we do we do that because we have to You're not very this, thankful. We have That's to watch what this the is. second game. That's no, why. No, I'll t- tell you what this is. I'll tell you what this is. This is very important now. At 1 o'clock, you scientifically have it set up so that at 7 o'clock before the night game, you're in turkey sandwich time. You're in the landing zone. If you eat at three, you're never firing up the engines at six or seven. Can't happen. Let me give you another piece of etiquette that a lot of people that we know would never be able to adhere to this. Why? One of the pieces of etiquette is never have more than one cocktail before dinner. <laughs> yeah, right. I got a good Wojo story. Hold listen. on. I got a I got a good story about that. Well, first of all, does Wojo eat alone for Thanksgiving? Oh. <laughs> no. He's got to be at the Lions game, so he's there all day. No, no you're right. He's you're right. No, he's, you're with, right. he's with Will, I thought. That's who. Yeah. yeah. They go to Boston Market. Yeah. He... <laughs> Him, his fake aunt, and his Christmas tree that's in his living room all year long. Why isn't the nights open? I got a great story. No, this is a big one. So one year, this was Christmas Eve. It's not Thanksgiving, but it's the same principle. Christmas Eve for Italians is a big deal. Okay. Oh, yeah. So one of my my buddy came over. I was obviously not here. I was back in New York, and I only get to see him at the holidays. And he comes over, and this is 2007. Giants, Jets, both teams are seven and seven, and it's on the back pa- back page of a New York Post where it's this you know this battle scene. Because it's a real newspaper that that likes to have fun and actually cares about revenue. But the point is, we're all watching the game and what we're making Manhattans. I mean, it's it's a wintry. Yeah, I mean, little bourbon, you know, little little vermouth. It's a nice, it's a nice beverage. I don't care. Gonna get you. Well, there's the problem. He hadn't had them before. My dad enjoys them. I enjoy them. And it was casual. But Christmas Eve for Italians, you're cooking all day. And it happened the Giant game fell on that day, too. But here's the problem. He got so tuned up, he tried to call his mom. Now, mind you, we're all grown-ass men. But the one thing you cannot do, and I will not say his name, he tried to call his parents and not go home for Christmas Eve. He's like, no, I'm just going to stay at the Valenis. Let me tell you what happened. The youngest in that family, barely 18 years old, they put his ass in a car to Uber him before Uber existed. And he had to be he had to be peeled out of the house. He was starting I mean, he was so tuned up, he started going up to the stove. My mom was cooking. He's like, This is delicious. Oh, sticking his fingers in. Well, and then and then the Giants went so the Giants are winning. We're all giant fans. And Victor Cruz scored like a ninety-five yard touchdown. That's back when he was good. But yeah, I mean, dude, you can have a couple, but I I I think there is an etiquette there. Have as many as it requires for you to get to the borderline of respectability. But do not cross the borderline of respectability. You gotta know your limits. But Manhattans, those will get you too. That's <laughs> any, like it's like two it's like two uh, two cocktails drink. in one, basically, yeah. a Manhattan is. Any whiskey drink, look, it, it's called going to Brown Town. Yeah. <laughs> it, the, the, the brown the brown liquor that that all the corn they use. <laughs> the Something the, in there, yeah. It's the sugar. It's why the hangover hits you like a sledgehammer yeah, versus vodka. All my vodka. uncles used to have it. Yeah. My all dad, of them. My dad always ordered CC Manhattan. My da- Yeah. <laughs> that used to, you know what's funny? Canadian club. I, I love how our Thanksgiving show is turning into a booze <laughs> referendum. No, but wasn't that Canadian club saying 
Damn right, your dad used to drink it. I think so. Yeah, yeah. you C- can tell it's for old people. If CC that's Manhattan the with his lemon zest. My dad used to like seven and sevens. It was yeah. the only thing he would have. And my dad is not a drinker. Not until I got of age, and then I got him moving. Yeah, he was like Tony Monero on Saturday Night Fever. He's like, give me a seven and seven. <laughs> That's, you know what? You laughed. That was my dad's yeah. prime. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. It's right? hard to envision your parents in the disco era, oh, isn't it? Oh, my, yeah. Like my, I got some pictures. I'll bring in some pictures. I got to show. Oh, my dad's got one. I got to show you one. Uh, Does he have, like, the suit on? Like He's the... got, so no, my, my and <laughs> so my dad's got, I don't know, this picture's so bad. You remember those wide-collar dress shirts? Yeah. So, like, you'd wear a blazer. And then the You'd be like five buttons down. Oh, right. Gold chains. Right. And he, he, had, hair. And he had the Kuningil the size of a brick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the bull's horn. Yeah, right. But like the collar. The <laughs> collar of his Big shirt. Medallion. Yeah. <laughs> the collar of his shirt was touching his shoulders. It would go over to lapel. <laughs> I just thought you, know, you know, my dad had on his on his gold chain, he had a uh, it was a gold toothpick that was in a holder and it would come no. out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Holy shit. That is unbelievable. Now, let me give you this etiquette, Tim. Uh, yeah, we're too deep. Now, this one for Sully and the Millennials will be very hard to Here do. I, I don't think they can do this. Put your cell phone away at the dinner oh, table. That, that oh, just, turn that goddamn thing off. That's bad. No, I listen, I, I think Sully's respectful enough. As much as we bust his balls. My family, yeah, no, my mom ain't having it. Like, if you guys think I got a temper... Uh, Mama V don't play around. Like it, she's a sweetheart, but if you piss her off, it's over. Oh, I'm glad that Sully's respectful because I still have that problem. Da- David's streaming like Steelers oh, practice at, at the table. <laughs> I need the news. See, nah, that transcends go just away. Thanksgiving dinner. I think, generally speaking, if you're at a dinner table in any sort of halfway serious dinner, should, put, put the phone away. away. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Get, I get yelled at a lot. You know, just basic regular dinners out at a restaurant. Yes, I'll get the yeah. evil eye. You know what I always love at a restaurant too? Away. You look at the two people who aren't talking to each other. They're both on their phones. Oh, yeah. Why the hell are you out at dinner? <laughs> you got to <laughs> eat. But then again, maybe, you know what? Uh, honestly, then again. You want to talk to the person or you're hungry. Yeah, but see, you just said it. Then again, maybe they're, uh, as the kids say, living their best life. Like, maybe they are doing what they want to do. Like, maybe they don't like each other no more. But they're married and they can't get out. And they know they want to go to dinner. Maybe not with the person they're going with. But at least this way, it doesn't turn into a war. You don't look totally dysfunctional in your social circle. And then they sit there and they play on their phones. It keeps them from fighting. Yeah. I always think about it. Does that make me weird that I think about that when I see people out doing that? That I wonder, like, is their relationship screwed up? Or is this just, like, a bad night? Are they in a fight? Did, like, what is this? How do you, like, if I went oh, to dinner. You want to come out to dinner with me tonight? <laughs> Holy Jesus. No, but, like, I go out to dinner with my wife. I mean, there are many times I, w- I will attempt to leave my phone in the vehicle. Yes, Oof. I've done, yes. I just try to get away. Well, I don't see my wife during the week, man. Yes. I'm not home enough. Yep. I'm here with you, Jackass. <laughs> but no, I just I always wonder about it. But you know it. I'll tell you one thing. Whether you're the guy or the girl, if the other person's playing on their phone yeah, and you don't have your phone out, yep. you're screwed. That date's not going nowhere. Yep. All right, next etiquette. Uh, we'll do one more, and then I want to move on to something else real quick. The, no, no, the I want to hear on the more. list is, and I don't know if anyone agrees with this, but I thought this was crazy. Never blow on your food. What, shushing? Just wait till it cools. Always, no, shake, no, no. always shake your salt no. and pepper onto your food, no. never into the palm of your hand. No, okay, that Very I agree uncouth. with. What kind of pretentious jerk shakes the salt in his hand and puts it in? No. <laughs> but hold on, what do you mean you can't shush? <laughs> no, you don't blow on your food to cool it off. Yeah, shush it. Yeah. I'm going to shush it. Oh, no, I, I guess that's you, wrong. You, you shush how the food. That, how, 
How is that wrong? Keep going on this because until I he- I've got one that if it's not on this list, this list is terrible. Uh, wait for the eldest adult to take their seat at the table first. That's class. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. Fact, I, get, I get that one. Yeah, yeah, maybe this is the one you don't like. All the old people in my family are dead. Offer to help with the cleanup. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a hard one when you're so All right, stopped. Here's, you can't here, move. Here's the bargain I make. <laughs> and I, I, no, now when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, you never got a choice. But as I got older, the bargain I've always made is I do all the heavy lift and cooking, and I do it happily. No, I like. Do doing not it. ask me to wash. Yeah, this. I like doing it. It's the trade. It's I'd rather trade cook off. than I clean. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. And most people are pretty thankful that if you cook a kick-ass meal, yeah, oh, they're yeah. more than happy yes. to knock out the dishes. Yes. Okay, how about this? Maybe this is the one that gets you. Don't overstay your welcome. I, I agree, and I'm I'm a big fan of leaving earlier. Which than Which I later. had the thinking of like if like you invited Wojo to your Thanksgiving that. He would never leave. <laughs> he would be there the next morning. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, listen, Bob, it's 2 a.m. I got yeah, no, to wrap this thing I, up. I'm, I'm a fan of leaving earlier than later. Like, whether it's a wedding or whether it's, you know, a birthday party or whether it's a holiday, yeah. earlier rather than later. I, I, the, you're right. The people who linger. That's something Stoney would do. Oh, my God. Roberto, you didn't mention. Hey, did I tell you American made the tournament this year? Or you get a pre-packaged meal like Jeff does. Oh, oh, no, How is that remember. not on there? there also, not, that should be. Well, also, I think not. we did this with Jeff before too. That I'm surprised is not on there. No plastic so, uh, silverware. Oh, no plastic silverware, oh, paper yeah. plates. Can't do it. But I think Jeff said that that's what they'll do for theirs too. Oh, no, that Lord. should never be allowed. Rieger's a lovely human being. Imagine I love just the guy not cooking terrible. your own. Even let's say a turkey. It's not that difficult. It, it's, it is. It's hold on though, Sully. Your mom is not. A great cook. You've said this. I don't want to be rude, but like you said, she she's not really a good cook. So who cooks in your family? Well, it would depend on the year. I mean, whether we could go to my uncle's house my, when my grandparents were alive, we all went over there, and and they would cook, and all my aunts. What's your mom's name? Uh, Lori. Lori. So yeah. nobody lets Lori host. Is that no, like the? She has before. Uh, is that the unspoken rule? No, she <laughs> she has before, and she you know like you guys were describing. It's a. <laughs> Typical white American Thanksgiving, right? I, uh, Turkey, uh, you got the mashed potatoes, the, the corn. Casserole. Everything's out of a goddamn box. Uh, <laughs> and it's fine. I could, t- I could tell you what Thanksgiving at his house probably looked like. The family from Christmas Story. Oh, oh, they ordered some Chinese food. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's typical Thanksgiving food. Here's the difference between like the I've noticed with you know the typical American Thanksgiving and family to like it's terrible. Like when you're cooking. Thanksgiving or your mom's cooking. You, you, I notice with the Italians that we do do things by sight. Just do it, eyeball it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know recipes I mean? like, are optional. Yeah, you know what I mean. You kind of know what you're doing. You by taste, by sight, by, by feel. right, right. Yeah. No, not like my in-laws would do. Like it's a recipe on a card, and you oh, must follow that no. to every teaspoon. Gerald, and- I said a quarter oh. of a <laughs> teaspoon. That's a you half. Ruined that. Oh. Yeah, that is. <laughs> That is, people who can't cook love no, the recipes, that would be, that man. that would be mine. They, the, all the, oh, yeah. the ladies oh, would, would follow the recipes and uh, cook. And it's, it's good, you know. It's, you I'm sure it's, thing. it's good. No. It's good. It's always, it's always, ah, I think you screwed it up this year. I don't remember. It, uh, it doesn't taste like it usually does. It's funny, though, like with <laughs> Thanksgiving. too much milk in this. <laughs> like Thanksgiving, though, you're right. There's like this standardized white bread middle America yeah. menu. It's going to be turkey that's dry because nobody knows what they're doing. It's going to be green bean casserole because mm. it's easy and it's mm. on the back of a soup can. I love that. No, it's going to be mashed potatoes, green possibly dry mashed potato flake. Ooh. It's going to be the dinner rolls because any idiot can put 12 of those on a pan. Corn. 
right? And yeah. then it's going to be corn stuffing. Out of a can. Yeah, no, no, out of a can, cranberry out of a can, <laughs> and it's going to be the stuffing yeah. out of a box. Oh. I like, I like, I like when the cran- cranberry is like then the still in the shape of the can when it's on the plate. Yeah, it's like ribbed. <laughs> it's ribbed for your pleasure. Pumpkin pie too. Pumpkin oh. pie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and nope. nobody's got the guts to make oh. something. They'll just grab it out of the pie. No, that layered Jello too is always there. Oh. That, that, that layered Jello. All right, so like. See, the problem is, if you're calling it stuffing, you're already doing it wrong. And, oh, dressing. Green bean casserole, you're doing that all wrong. It has to be dressing, and it has to be just green beans, not casserole crap. I'll have you know that when I'm in charge of that duty on Thanksgiving, I make it fresh. I don't use a box. Yes. I dry that bread out. I yeah. use real bread. Yes. It's box stuff. Get it's that out of it. here. It tastes better. You yes, know it, it is, but, that, but here's my point. You're doing this meal once a year. If you don't mm-hmm. have time to dedicate Wednesday night... And, like, me and my wife have a good time with it. When we host Thanksgiving, yeah, man, open a nice bottle of red wine, put on some music, cook. Yep. And my wife helps me out, and we rock and roll. And it's a, yeah. it's a fun night, you know? And, and, you know, who knows? Oh, my the, God. I'm hungry now. <laughs> no, but hold on. The etiquette. C- continue this, and then we'll, we'll hit the food here. <laughs> Let's see. What's a good one here? Well, this is a, definitely a Matt Patricia one. Sit up straight. Avoid slouching, leaning, or putting your elbows on the table. <laughs> Next. I don't care about that. <laughs> Let people be happy. Um... Don't show up with uninvited guests. Agree. I agree. Agree. Yes. Another one would be arrive on time. 15 minutes early. Really? I think if you're on time, you're late. Now, this one, I'm not, I mean, I- Nothing pisses me off more than when I have people over the house for a holiday or otherwise, (laughs) and I'm cooking, and people are late. That's bullshit. This one, I don't- don't Show up on time. Is it wrong that we lie to the people, tell them a time because we know they're going to be late just so they're early? You you know what? You're right doing it, though, because people, they have no respect. This one, I have no idea whether I do this or I, I adhere to this, but it says always pass food to the right. Never heard of it. See, ours, our, our dinner table, like growing up, it looked like 696. Like a- <laughs> food was going across here, left, right, center. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in the middle of two casseroles. You don't know what to do. Yeah, we had no rhyme or reason. <laughs> and then the best part is, guaranteed, one of my grandfathers will be already sleeping at the table. Oh, my God. That's, don't, don't get me started on that. Then you're passing it to somebody who's passed out. See, that's part of my, my etiquette rule. Is what? Th- there should be rules for old people. It's not mm-hmm. right. It's not right what old people get away with. Mm-hmm. My family was a disgrace. Flatulence. They can oh. fart, burp, <laughs> swear, say insensitive things. Oh yeah, old oh, bell. Oh. Literally. Who else? Who else at the table could insult the 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 the, yeah. the group of people who cooked except I know the yeah. grandfather. Those turkeys dry. Well, then don't eat it, you miserable bastard. I know. Yeah. And I got to hear my I remember grand, grandma talking about how she got the turkey that the colored boy at the grocery store helped her. Oh. <laughs> Oh. No, but but it, but it is very bad. My grandfather like did that, that a lot. It's like that scene, no grand grandparents and then great grandparents. No, they're stuck in a different time, and then they say things, and you go, "Dude, you can't say that." And then they look at you like, "Well, I didn't yeah. mean it that way." No, no, you did. <laughs> I just think there should be rules for old people. Mm-hmm. It's not acceptable to burp at the table. It's not acceptable to eat like the little kid in the Christmas story at the table. Mm-hmm. It's not acceptable to fart at the table. <laughs> yeah. And it's not acceptable to fall asleep at the table. Ah. And it's not acceptable to say racially or ethnically insensitive things. <laughs> yes. Well, there I you rem- go. That's my list. That That's that's the list. of. There it uh, is. I don't mind most of them, but I'm sticking to the old people thing. There should be <laughs> rules for these people. They're maniacs. They well, come to Thanksgiving. They, they light the house on fire. 
old people think they can get away with whatever they want. Yes, they do. Imagine Christmas vacation, like the old yeah. grandparents. <laughs> he likes the tree on fire. <laughs> Grab my stogie. Well, yeah, the best, the best part. <laughs> and again, God rest your soul, they're all gone in my family. But like, you had to wait on these people hand and foot. <laughs> oh, go get. Go go get go get pop another orange soda. Why oh, yeah. he's already had seventeen? Is he yeah. trying to get diabetes yeah. in the next five minutes? With the old guys too, it's always like he he just taken his last bite of the dinner. He's like, anybody put coffee on? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> go get Grandpa Lewis another orange soda. Well, he's had thirty of them. <laughs> I got to get another two liter out of the garage. Oh man. All right, NFL power rank time and a little expansion on uh, probably the best regular season game I've I've ever seen, entertainment-wise, Chiefs and Rams. But um, let's do it. Let's get into them. Number five, I'm going to keep them there even though they lost. I still believe in their talent. I still believe in Phillip Rivers. It's the NFL. Weird stuff happens. Chargers kicking game is a disaster. But I still believe... At number five, I will put the Chargers. I believe if the Chargers played the Patriots, the Chargers would win the game. I do. And at some point, they're going to get their best defensive player back in Joey Bosa. And I think it is going to have a transformative effect on them. Um, That pass rush, that element is really the only way you can play defense in this NFL. But I'm going to stick with the Chargers at five. Um, At four, look... Not all wins are going to be pretty, and I know what you're going to say. How good is this team if they were down 16-0 to the Jags? But, but, take the overall here. Remember early in the season, a lot of people, including boneheads like me, were sitting here going, geez, maybe the Steelers aren't going to put this together. Maybe the drama's going to catch up with them. I mean, look at them now. They're on fire. And yesterday, a late win, Roethlisberger with the touchdown with a couple of seconds to go. You're going to need a win like that to save a season. It's going to happen on the way to a Super Bowl or on the way to a division title. You're not going to blow everybody out. I mean, for everybody who's listening to this right now who thinks the Rams are the best thing since pants with pockets, they don't blow everybody out. In fact, they don't blow anybody out. How'd 33-31 look when they played Seattle? They can't distance themselves, but they still win, right? The Steelers here, they fell behind, but they rallied up. They got the job done. I think the Le'Veon Bell stuff is behind them now. I think that's going to help them. And again, right now, neutral field. I take the Steelers to beat the Chargers, and I take them to beat the Patriots. I I, I really think somehow, some way, even though James Conner isn't Le'Veon Bell, the fact that they were able to survive and answer the question of can we do this without Le'Veon, in many ways, maybe it's galvanized them. And now... Now they can go and possibly do something special. And defensively, you know what you're getting. And the Steelers' pass rush is kind of a best-kept secret. Everybody loves to talk about the Von Millers of the world and the J.J. Watts and individuals. But overall, Steelers' pass rush, solid. Uh, You know where their weakness is in the secondary. Like I said, in the NFL, the only way you're going to play defense, and we'll get the Chiefs and Rams. (laughs) My God. But the only way you're going to play defense is doing what they did last night. you got to rush the passer. you got to get the football. you got to intercept the football. you got to take it away. You're just not going to be able to cover people. But I put the Steelers at four. All right, at number three, it is the Chiefs. And we need to be careful with the Chiefs for one reason. I know we all want to overreact, but remember, they went to New England and lost. They went to the Rams and lost. If those games are in Kansas City, I think it's a different story. Kansas City is one of the great, along with Seattle, one of the great home field advantages that are out there. 
and the Chiefs' job is going to be to be at home in the AFC playoffs. But against the Rams this week, look, we all know defense is not what the Chiefs are going to do. It was turnovers that killed them. And I know I get carried away with Patrick Mahomes. I get carried away with the sizzle, the offense. We need to remember, I need to remember, Patrick Mahomes the third is a second-year quarterback and essentially playing his rookie year. He played one game last year, if my memory serves me. Against the Rams, made a bad decision, got hit on a deep play-action pass. That cost him a pick. Um, one of the fumbles, he had the presence to move in the pocket, didn't release the ball. Those are things you can grow from. I'm not going to write Mahomes off, but I'm also going to remember that if Mahomes is going to go in, into a big game against a seasoned vet like a Roethlisberger, or a Rivers, or a Brady. He still is a young kid. And you saw it in the first game at New England, where the first half, if you go back and watch the tape, he was overwhelmed in that game. There was something to it. Wow, I'm on the road against Tom Brady. And then after halftime, Mahomes settled in. Last night was just a show. And his defense made a couple of plays now. Um, They got to the quarterback, a couple of big sacks on Goff, forcing a couple of strips. That's the only way you're going to stop teams like the Rams, like the Saints. But the Chiefs with Houston, and and, and look, they can try to, to get a pass rush going. But overall, they gave it 54 points. And I know defensive touchdowns were in the mix and all that, but turnovers killed the Chiefs last night. If, if they play a slightly cleaner game, they beat the Rams. But they didn't. So they're three. Number two is the Rams. And, and look, the same concern I would have with the Chiefs, I have with the Rams. The difference is... The Rams don't have a home field advantage to lean on like the Chiefs do. Now, last night was electric, all right? Last night was one of the better regular season environments. But overall, you know what's going to happen. If they get in the playoffs and they play a team with a big fan base, that stadium's going to get taken over. We've already seen it every week this year. But the Rams, Jared Goff, offensively, the play calling of McVay is incredible. Uh, But I will tell you, one thing I didn't like late in that game against the Chiefs, there is a line between aggressive and stupid. Late in that game, about a minute seven to go, I don't mind the play-action pass on first down, but you got to come back on second down and run that thing. And they gave the ball to the Chiefs with timeouts. That's just a little bit aggressive for me. And I think aggressive turns into stupid, like Ron Rivera. I don't know what he was doing going for two this past week. Riverboat Ron, that's why. You you know what? It was was idiocy. (laughs) And and I don't want to go down that road right now. It's a separate conversation. But look, the Rams overall, they went to New Orleans, played a hell of a game. It's the same deal. you got to factor in going on the road in the NFL. It's not just a head-to-head, Team A beat Team B, therefore they're better. The Saints, if they play in that dome, they're not losing. So the Rams have got to find a way to take care of business and hope somebody can rise up and take care of the Saints here. Because if the Rams go to New Orleans, if anybody goes to New Orleans, I don't think you're winning. And that's why New Orleans is my number one team. They didn't just beat Philadelphia. They took the Super Bowl champion. They crumpled him up, and they threw him into a wood chip. 48-7? See, that this is where, and we've talked about it on, on the show, I've thought Philly's had problems all year. Something's not right. It's that Super Bowl hangover. It's It's... Everyone feeling their oats. I'll tell you another thing I think that they've got a problem with, too, is that staff got gutted. Frank Wright got hired away as the OC. He's not a head coach in Indy. You had Joe DiFilippo get hired away. He's now the OC in Minnesota. But, but Philly's not right. But the bottom line is you don't beat anybody by 41 points.
much less a Super Bowl champion with an MVP caliber quarterback. The Saints are as scary as it gets. You want them to run it? They'll run it. They got a guy on a perimeter in Kamara. They got a guy up the middle in England. You want them to throw it? Not a problem. Sean Payton is like Andy Reid and McVay in this in this example where, look, they just find ways to scheme space. They create space on the field and they attack you. And in, in the history of football, I don't know that there is a smarter quarterback than Drew Brees. I mean, the guy's amazing. Him and Brady, to me, are one and two. You want to put Peyton Manning up there, too, as a cerebral just a guy who mentally is always in control. He'll make a mistake, but he's always mentally in control. I, I just think the Saints are the best team in football. And while the Rams and Chiefs are entertaining, the Saints, to me, are a different level. And if you don't get them out of that dome, you're not beating them. Now, one quick note, too, on this Rams-Chiefs deal, because people continue to fight me on this. A, if you weren't entertained by that game, you're probably 75 years old. And honestly, as a football fan, I don't care about your opinion. Last night was incredibly entertaining. But last night was not this anomaly or one-time deal or only those two teams. Last night was not only the future of football, but it's the present. And I think there's something we all need to realize that as people who talk about the game and watch the game, I think it's going to be interesting to see the effect it has both on the first round of the NFL draft, moving forward throughout the next three to five years, but also the hiring practices of teams. Because right now, I'll tell you this, Bill Belichick's a defensive coach. He's a great guy, but let, let, let's also understand, Tom Brady is the straw that has stirred that offense for a long time. Brady kind of takes care of himself. But if you have a defensive-minded coach in this league, I think you're at a gross disadvantage. You can't play defense anymore. Not the way we remember. And last night you saw it. The only defensive plays that were really made, it wasn't lockdown coverage. It wasn't stuffing the run. It was sacks. It was fumbles. It was an INT. It was disrupting the quarterback. What this means is two things to me. And, and, I, and I've said this, and I mean it. If you are a team in the market for a head coach, and you don't hire an offensive head coach, I think you've already set yourself back. And look, I grew up with defense. I grew up on Bill Parcells, with Belichick as a DC, with my Giants killing everybody. Those days are done. The 85 Bears, are not, they're not walking through the door. The 2000 Ravens, not coming back. Uh, even the Broncos from a few years ago, it's just not happening. Right now, like a great example, I don't care who Cleveland hires. It really doesn't matter to me. I know I'd, I'd love to see him go hand $10 million a year to Lincoln Riley because I'm, I'm in the interesting business. Or Condoleezza Rice, right? I'm staying away from that. <laughs> I, I can't even believe what I was reading. The point is, your job is to do everything in your power to make it right for Baker Mayfield. Because if you don't, you can't win in this league. You see the teams that are, that are out there. You have to go out this point forward, hire an offensive coach. Hey, if you've already got a guy who's wildly successful like a Mike Tomlin, no one's saying get rid of your guy. No one's saying that Bill Belichick can't succeed in this league anymore. But I'm telling you, if I'm going out and hiring a coach, it has to be offensive. And I think it's going to be real interesting how these teams approach it. Because what happens to defensive coordinators? What happens to these guys who are supposed to be defensive wizards and geniuses? And there may be a bottleneck for jobs. I mean, in what position would you right now as an organization go out and eschew the offensive renaissance we're going through because you want to hire a defensive coach. 
what what would be the motivation to do it? Like, can you even imagine what a defensive coordinator gunning for a head coach job goes in? What does that interview sound like? How do you plan on stopping the Chiefs? Let me help you. You can. How do you plan on stopping the Saints? Let me help you. You can. I think it's going to be interesting. It's just not the direction of the game. No. And and I'll give you one more for you. You said the effects we'll see based on this offensive renaissance, all stuff like that. I think in addition to just the game moving more offense, head coaching-wise, we're going to see a difference from the all the way down to the youth level, Mike. What kids are going to want to play defense nowadays? You mentioned the draft and you know teams selecting offense. If you're a kid growing up, similar to the NBA with how many threes you see sure. getting drained, if you're a kid growing up, watching football, you do try to mimic that to an extent. You're not going to see kids wanting to play defense. Well, I think there's one position right now in the next three to five years, and I I really, we've seen some of this, but I think it's going to go damn near exclusive. I just really think it's, it's defensive line or bust in the first round if you're thinking defense. Now, certainly, as a D tackle, the run stopping D tackle, that's kind of not in vogue. And you saw the deal the Lions made, getting Snacks Harrison for a fifth round pick. Uh, th- that is the best run-stuffing D-tackle in the league. He was worth a fifth-round pick. And the contract's not outrageous, so that I don't want to hear about that. But you look at this now. You're either a disruptor on the inside or you're an edge rusher on the outside. Other than that, I, I kind of look at it like teams have to go offense in the first but round. Yeah, the edge rusher was most valuable, for sure. Right, because it's the only way you can make plays on defense. And when you look at Rams and Chiefs, the only plays that were made... Uh, Aaron Donald is a disruptor on the interior. He is an alien. But the rest of it, with Justin Houston and with with these outside rushes and the guy's name I can't pronounce for the Rams, I think it's number 50. He had the, the pick six. He also hit Mahomes on the late interception. That is the only way you're going to be able to make plays. The way we played defense or, or we watched when we were younger, that's dead. It is dead from, and buried. On many levels, from a rules perspective, from just an overall defensive technique. Yep. I, I just think it'll be fascinating to see the hiring process and how it moves forward. Is there a home for any defensive coaches in this league to ever become head coaches again? And two, first round. You've already seen it, too. The running back is back. Teams are using first-round picks on backs. Teams always use first-round picks on receivers, offensive linemen, quarterbacks, even tight ends. Well, now I think you're going to see even more of it because I don't think there's a place outside of an amazing defensive prospect. Corners, safeties, linebackers, run-stopping D-tackles. It's all done. I think it's truly all done because this game is not going backward. This is a byproduct of the league, legislating the violence out of the game, making it more offensive post-2003, 2004, uh, when those Colts-Patriot games would go on. Uh, wanting to get the clutch and grab out of the sport. This is a byproduct of CTE, of concussion studies, of not being able to hit the quarterback, impose your will, all of it. There's 50 factors, but this is where we are, and it's not going back. And I think that you're going to see teams doing some things that will raise some eyebrows in the short term, but might make a hell of a lot of sense in the long term. And overall, people like this. Sure, you're going to get people complaining about the rules on defense, the hitting, all that, but overall... People like offense. The Chiefs, the Chiefs Rams game, highest rated Monday Night Football game in the last four years. People love watching watching teams score, watching points be put up on the board. That's the direction of you know not only football but all sports really. Agreed. And, and and that's listen, people who want to fight it, that's fine. But you don't have a, you don't have a leg to stand on with this. 
Incredible regular season game. Power rankings, though. Let me recap because we went down a different road. Five Chargers, four Steelers, three Chiefs, two Rams, and I think a distant number one. Right now, it's distant to me. The the, the Saints look, uh, look unbeatable. They're not unbeatable, but they sure look it. And their defense makes just enough plays. And that offense, you know what you get. Uh, I, the Saints right now, my goodness. There's your power rank. All right, a quick break just to talk about our launch sponsor. It's the D Las Vegas. You're looking to get away, relax, have a good time. D Las Vegas has everything you need. I mean, hell, we're there every March for March Madness. And as I've said before, there ain't no better setup. On the strip, off the strip, it don't matter. Go to the D. Go to that chalet upstairs. It ain't nothing better. Bottom line, next time you go to Vegas, check out the D.com. Completely renovated. Downtown is not what you remember. Hell of a lot of new places. It's, it's a damn good time. There's really no other way to put it. And again, the D has everything you need. You're not going to spend a ton of money on the room. Take that money and go do fun things with it. Do what Sully does. Make a bunch of losing basketball bets. Or, well, or for Sully, fall asleep on the horse racing machine on the second floor vintage casino. The bottom line, the D's got it all. They got the sports book. They got the long bar. They got it all. Check it out. TheD.com to book your stay today. It's the D.com, the D Las Vegas. And as you know, it is your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. All right. So I, I had to get to this, and I've got Sully and Roberto with me. But a, a, as some of you may know, I had a wedding in California by a friend who decided, hey, great idea. Get married in the fall. Everyone knows how I feel about that. But nice, you know, you go, okay, hey, we're going to get a break. We're going to get out of the cold Midwest. We're going to get out to California. This is exciting, right? What you don't realize is how much deeper your hatred of people runs that early in the morning. That the <laughs> littlest thing people do can just burn a hole in your soul. And the problem is my partner in crime, my wife, and her and I can, can make eye contact and know what we're thinking. We both are equally sarcastic. Well, she was asleep. I mean, she, she was baby birding. I mean, yeah, she was done. Now, it's pitch black. So no one is, is, is up to see the antics of this person. All right? There's one guy on this flight who decided his job was to make my life miserable. <laughs> So you're on I mean, the plane now. You're on. You're, uh, well, no, you're it boarded. starts. It starts before the plane. I don't want to bemoan the 6 a.m. flight. Okay, a lot of people do it for work. I get it. I'm just telling you. It's, it's just so tough, though. It's idealistic. It's not realistic. But this guy, it was like his existence was there to fuck with me, and I don't <laughs> like that. It's too early in the morning. So l- l- I'm going to go down this checklist. He was the he was the John Candy to your Steve Martin. Yes, and Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Yes, another movie Sully probably hasn't seen. <laughs> nope, have not. One of the, right. by the way, one of the best Thanksgiving movies yes. I've ever seen. Mike, you need to check that out. Absolutely. I'll add it to the long list of a. Uh, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious though. It Beautiful is a movie. Thanksgiving <laughs> classic. It'll be on television this week. All right, I digress. So I'm, I'm going to go down this checklist. And people, if you fly, I don't care if you've flown once. I don't care if you've flown a million times. <laughs> You need to put yourself in my position here. Because remember, this was a nice thing. I planned this trip six months ago. It's a friend of almost 20 years. He could have got married on the moon. I would have been there. I love him. And I tried to do this trip nice. Upgrade the tickets a little bit. We're going to go first class. We're going to do this right. Treat the lady. Let's go. Now, mind you, I'm not looking for anything special. I don't need a hot towel. 
I don't need some fancy food. I just want to be left alone. Just get me there. I just want to look on my iPad and keep the plane in the air. That's all I ask. No foot massage or nah, back rub or anything? Don't need nothing, okay? <laughs> but we're sitting there getting ready to board. Now, I'm not going to tell you the airline. And we're in line to board. This particular airline has a pre-boarding line. All of a sudden, guy strolls up in a Bentley vest. <laughs> Bentley. Like gray vest and in a huge silver shiny logo on his back, Bentley, and on his chest, Bentley. Where do you even get something like that? When you own a Bentley. Oh, they give that to you? I don't know. <laughs> but the whole point is this guy sashays past the line, starts having a conversation with the lady. Bentley. Right, right. I mean, now, now listen. I like expensive cars. Everyone likes expensive cars. We're guys. You, you're like, well, it's a cool car. I'd love to own it, whatever. And you know what? If you got the money to buy a Bentley, God bless. I'm sure your wife cares. I'm, I'm sure your kids are thrilled for you. But do you need to walk around as a billboard? Everyone must know. <laughs> so this guy goes up and delays the boarding by talking to the boarding agent. All right? So then he gets in the line. His wife was already in line. We start to board. Guess who's in the wrong boarding zone? <laughs> Bentley. Bentley. Let's call him Bentley. Bentley's in the wrong boarding zone. <laughs> so long story short, they let him on the plane. Okay. Now, you, what I can't stand, he gets on the plane... And he's a talker. It's a 6 a.m. flight. Now, I'm not next to him. I'm when you, and usually no one right. is talking when you board that flight at 6 a.m. Everyone's quiet. Well, your earbuds are in. You're trying to sleep. Yes. It's like a men's room. Yes. No talking. No talking. No eye contact. Head <laughs> yeah. down. We're flying. Yeah. So he sits down. He's a talker. We got a stage five talker. Now, I'm in the aisle. He is kitty corner to me in the aisle, just so you understand where we're at. Now, he's bibbidi-bibbidi-bibbidi-boo. What is the first thing this guy does on this plane? What do you think? I mean, it, this this is, you're asking for trouble now. Takes his shoes off. No. Reclines his chair. No, worse. He immediately pulls out this massive, like, 48-ounce green juice <laughs> out of his bag. Now, I don't think I have to explain, if anyone has listened to us before, I, I just think, like, Dante's Inferno, that seventh ring of hell, is having <laughs> yeah. a shit on a plane. <laughs> and so, this guy's just begging for well, that. Well, hold on. <laughs> right. Now, listen, I'm being totally serious. I don't eat at airports. I fast. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not too. putting any ammo no, in the cannon. I'm so scared. Oh, yeah, no way. I, I'm trying to get where I got to go. Now, obviously, if you're flying to Australia or something, you're screwed. Right. This guy commences. He doesn't just get involved with this green juice. He <laughs> hammered this thing before the security video. Mike, it had to be 32 ounces of green juice. Oh, so man. likely something he drinks every morning if he's well, pounding it at 6 a.m. Right, but you're talking about putting uh, celery, all the green fibrous stuff that's got to make you duty. <laughs> and this guy's starting his day with this. So automatically I look over and I go, Jesus. <laughs> So then, you know, they come around. They go, hey, listen, would you like anything to drink? What do you think he followed his green juice with? We're not even off the ground yet. Booze. Coffee. Oh. A big, big black, black, black coffee. coffee. Now, just again. He's, he's begging you for are cleansing. begging <laughs> to send yourself airborne, yeah, if you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching this guy, right? So they go through the security thing. We start to take off. He's got his big black coffee. I already know he's got 32 ounces of green big juice. black Coffee. Pitch black on the plane, except for one seat. Oh, who's got who's got the reading light on? He's got his light on. He's got his freaking <laughs> light on. And again, those lights, 
That those are like in the Fugitive with Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, it's a spotlight. <laughs> so finishes his coffee, and now they come around. They want to offer a, a snack, whatever, whatever it may be. Now I don't know who's interested in snacking at six a.m. Not me. Like I said, I don't want to shit on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Now mind you, everybody else asleep, not paying attention. This guy decides, no, no, I have not tempted my colon enough. <laughs> I am now going to put my bowels in a chokehold oh, no. after 32 ounces of a green smoothie, after a big black coffee. What did he ask for, some red hot or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to siphon sriracha. No, this guy gets a meat and cheese platter. Oh. <laughs> Now, here's the word. It's pretty early for that. Yeah, right. Mike, who the hell gets on a plane and goes, it's 6 a.m., I tell you, I could go for some salami. It it, it looked like a jumbo Lunchables. Oh. So he tears this thing open. Now, I'm nauseous. I'm watching this, and I'm almost, smell it? I'm almost feeling like I got a shit watching this guy because <laughs> I know what he's put in his system. You just nailed it. He opens that plastic <laughs> and... The smell of cold, <laughs> cheap, processed meat wafts through the cabin. The whole plane. Roberta, my wife wakes up. She goes, what is that? <laughs> and I started explaining. I go, this, this, this fucking guy over here, he drank a green juice. He drank a coffee. And now he's eating the goddamn meat and cheese. It smells the whole place up. So just imagine, like like being Italian, you know the worst thing you can stink up a house with is cold macaroni. You right. have leftover pasta. You bring that out of the Tupperware. You open that and up. Home. I'd vomit. Whole houses. Same with like a broccoli. Like right. a, like a uh, uh, the veggie tray. Like oh, you buy that and you terrible. open that up. You better open it up outside. That's why I have a major problem with leftovers, but that'll be for another day. So the point is, now he's into the meat and cheese. <laughs> into the meat and cheese. I mean, he's deep. He's ravenous. Cleans it. <laughs> cleans it in his Bentley vest cleans it with his coffee he's drinking coffee with it or right, he, right. he got like an orange juice or so to recap it's 6am now I don't know how you work but you're leaving house at 4.30am my system's not prepared no, water well right my, 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 I'm afraid to sip water water can trigger <laughs> to having to take a duty it could actually so you, you, the guy probably left the house without his morning constitution he then has the 32 ounce green juice a big black coffee, then the meat and cheese tray. Roberto, we barely got to. We're not even where the the, the captain takes the seatbelt sign off. And he's 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 getting on. <laughs> it was the equivalent of like ringing the Wall Street bell. Yeah, and, and it's calm, and then somebody rings it, and then all of a sudden you got papers flying everywhere, guys screaming, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they ring the bell. Who do you think's first to get first, to the laboratory? Oh, Good old Bentley. And How long you, was he in there? Well, that's part of the problem. And by the way, who doesn't take off their vest to go to the bathroom? I, I No, that, I mean, it's someone yeah. who wants everybody to know that he owns a I Bentley. Usually, it is. When I go to the bedroom, I usually take off my GMC Terrain vest that I have. <laughs> Guys, I'm not kidding you now. I'm being dead serious. He had to be in the bathroom for 10 to 12 minutes. <laughs> that's disgusting. 10 to 12 minutes. And the whole plane suffers when you do that. Well, because here's such the other a thing. Dick move. There are people sitting there, and all we'd like to do is tinkle. That's it. Right. Little tinkle. I, I, so was, was there a line starting to form? 
no, it's just you're you waiting, kind of, waiting, you're waiting, and, and you're waiting. And again, <laughs> when the bathroom door opens, it's the equivalent of like Star Wars <laughs> yeah. and Darth Vader entering the room. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's way worse than that uh, meat tray he opened. Now he's opening that right. door. There's no, there's no delicate way to go to the bathroom. You're announced as if you're Sonny and Cher and on no stage. There's no rolling down any, opening any windows. No, there's no fan, there's no ventilation, <laughs> and there's no amount of times he's going to wash his hands. That's yeah. going to fix things. The whole point is, it's a, it, it was just a total lack of respect. But he <laughs> finished it with, to me, the ultimate indignity, right? Because up to this point, the the whole flight's been about him, right? <laughs> Let's face it, the whole flight's about him. Gets back to his seat. Now you know, you got to wait to use that bathroom. You know, you can't be next man up. Oh, you can't no, go right. in. No, there. no, 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 no. Automatically, I I can't. I'm freaked out by bathrooms because you hear the stories about people sitting on a toilet and like flushing themselves out of the plane and all that shit. <laughs> those my, bathrooms are so small too. You can well, ba- you can barely fit in those bathrooms on the plane. There's there's the problem. I'm only six feet tall. It's not like I'm Tom Tolbert getting on a plane or Shaq. Roberto, I, you gotta wait. And then you're like, all right, look, I, I, I've, I've had to pee since we took off. I, I'm going to give it 20 minutes, but I, I mean, I'm 38. I'm not a kid anymore. I don't want to hold it forever. I make the call. I go oh. in. Someone may as well have died. Oh, that's someone may as well have died. So, AK, like our bathroom here at the office, is what it smelled like. Well, I think it's well. I think it's well documented. We have people here who have undiagnosed digestive <laughs> conditions. There, there are people who go to the bathroom in this office. <laughs> And it it's it smells. The only thing I could compare it to is when I when I came home. It was my first summer in college. I came home, and there was this. Um, I don't want to say the name of the place, but it, it had a a carpet warehouse attached to it, and it, it was it was a um, a wholesaler for contractors. So I would have to go around the store and clean up in the morning, and go back to the warehouse and and get what carpets were needed, etc. And and I don't know if you're aware of this, but rats like to die in warehouses. Oh, my God. So occasionally you'd come across a carpet roll with a dead rat inside it. And I will tell you, that smell, that smell will ruin your appetite for no less than eight hours. It was that type of deal. Now, the, the ultimate indig- indignity. I mean, the, the, the this is where I just went, come on, really? He gets back to his seat, and he tucks himself in, gets his little blank, does his whole little routine, right? Now he's relaxed. Now, yeah. now, now that you've, you've yeah. basically dropped a bomb in the toilet, you've, and I, I don't know if anyone was paying attention. I don't know if this is just my own sickness, but, like, it was all in front of me. It was almost like he was putting on a show for me. With the, the, the light is beaming right. down so upon him like it's an angel. He empties himself. He gets right back to his seat and he asks the stewardess, "Hey, can I get a Danish over here? <laughs> can I get a scone?" <laughs> He's ready to fill up again. Can this I is a... all within what the first forty-five yeah. minutes of the flight, yeah. hour of the flight. Yeah, no doout. But here's the thing. And he's tainted the whole flight. Sits back. Well, and again, it smells like meat and cheese on the exterior. I can't tell you what it smelled like in the bathroom. <laughs> and, and 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 look, I, the airlines. I give them credit. You're operating with a broom closet. You got to fit a toilet in there. What's supposed to be a sink? They got some high-powered chemical to try to make it smell nice. Right. The problem is when the poo-poo mixes with the 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 the, the sensi they're burning in there or whatever. All it does is make it worse. It's the equivalent of like a baby shitting a yeah. diaper and you spraying cologne in it. Like, that doesn't fix they it. They need like bleach or something. The point is, he sits back down in his seat. He nods off to sleep. He's he's relaxed, right? He's comfortable. He feels good about himself. You ready for this? 
son of a bitch doesn't turn the light off. Oh my god! And he's sitting in the first row, so the, the light is bouncing off the wall. I would wall. tell the stewardess to turn it off. It's bouncing off if the bulkhead sleeping. and illuminating the whole cabin. Yeah, I'd get up myself and turn it off, bro. It, well, he's asleep. <laughs> I don't know what it is about airports and airplanes that turns people into complete <laughs> they, 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 people lack they're oblivious, no self-awareness. Okay, so th this one's a bit of a risk, but I, I like this person a hell of a lot, and I respect <laughs> their hockey knowledge. Um, he is a writer for 97.1 The Ticket. He is a Boston College-educated uh, legend, and he is... One of the brighter young minds I have encountered when it comes to all things NHL, he is Will Birchfield. Will, how are you? Yes, yes, absolutely. I appreciate that, boys. I'm doing well today. Um, I appreciate the legend uh, moniker. I don't know if I live up to that, but happy to be here. Thanks for You're having a sicko. me on. You're a sicko. Yeah, I'll, I'll live to that for sure. I brought you in here because you and I have a very unique relationship where I openly tell you I have given up on the NHL. I can't really fall back in love with it. My story is is simple. Cliff notes for people who don't know me or know the story. I grew up, I was a diehard Islanders fan. Right. I had a love affair with that team from the time I was about 11 through mid-college. But after surviving David Spano and the mm -hmm. fraud stuff and Charles Wang and Mike Milbury and just, you know, the fishermen unis, yeah. I gave up. I just gave up. They traded Roberto Longo to draft another goalie. I'd had it. Living in Detroit... Red Wings, I've seen some of the highest caliber hockey there is. And I will yeah. admit, when the wings are really popping, when they're really good, I do get into it. Mm -hmm. I am I am fringe like that. I have a hard time falling in love with the sport. Now, A, you're an NHL lifer. You've loved it your whole life. You're yeah. from the East Coast. You dig it. I respect your hockey knowledge. The issue for me is, while being fringe with the NHL, I am also a big analytics guy. You and I have had very deep baseball conversations, yeah. deep football. I love analytics. Here's a problem. I don't know a good goddamn thing about hockey analytics. And I want to try to get back into this sport a little bit. But right. I know if I do, I can't do it without starting to look at some fun numbers yeah. and stats and different things. Well, this is where I had to bring you in. Because admittedly, you go to websites that it is hieroglyphics to me. And if there are hockey fans listening, and whether you're a hardcore fan, whether you're a fringe fan, analytics are not only the future of sports, they're, they're the present. They are here. And they are also dictating how franchises run themselves. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, the Maple Leafs, the kid they hired out of Sault Ste. Marie, Dumas. Yeah. Uh, what's his first name? Is it Andrew? Yes. Andrew Dumas. Huge analytics guy, young yeah. guy. I know that uh, Arizona has an, another one like They're that. They're all over young the place. dude. Right. The hurricanes, yeah. Okay, so a lot of franchises. So for those of you that are going to roll your eyes, don't. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to bring you in here for is help the people. <laughs> help me with a with a... Hockey analytics for dummies. So if I say to you, Will, I'm a fringe guy. Right. I watch hockey when it's on. I give it some time. But what is the most appliable, simple, meaningful analytic I can get into? That well, would be remember too that if it's hockey analytics for dummies, don't pretend like don't be talking to Mike. Pretend like you're teaching it to me. Right. Because that's right. more I applicable. Gotcha. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. No, talk to me like I'm yeah. stupid. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, the one, the one that, that kind of serves as the foundation for hockey analytics, and and that I basically was the the precursor to what's happening now is Corsi, and and that's the one um, that most teams rely on, uh, and it's simply a measure of shot attempts and the differential between teams, and then you can do it by player by player. But it's the number of shots that a team records, shot attempts that a team records during a game compared to how many they give up. And it's a proxy for puck possession. The, so the logic says that in order to shoot the puck, you have to have the puck. You're kidding. And Right, exactly. And so these are simple concepts, but people have applied them um, to discover pretty um, pretty impressive conclusions. But that's the most predictive stat out there as far as um, analytics and hockey go. Um, it's the one that most teams rely on when evaluating players. Um, it has the most predictive value. Um, but it is simple. It's, it's literally just a plus-minus of shot attempts. So that includes um, shots on goal, shots wide, even block shots. Um, so how do, how do you calculate then, how is the time, <clears throat> the puck possession calculated within that, if right. I'm understanding this right. Yes, you are. And so then it's represented as a percentage. So if a team is 55% Corsi, that means that out of the shot attempts in a game, they've accounted for 55%. Of so the shots? Or the, of the or, shot attempts. Okay. Yes. Now, what happens if you don't possess the puck, but you get more shots than your opponent? Well, then that's where it can be sometimes misleading. It undoes so the stat? It, it undoes it somewhat. And and so there are people who push back on Corsi for that exact reason, that you can kind of skew the numbers if you possess the puck a lot but choose not to shoot a lot. Certain teams look for better chances than necessarily shot attempts. Um, but generally, the teams that are above 50% Corsi are the ones that are going to win more often than not going forward. So, like, obviously, you and I are both huge baseball goofballs. Like, yeah. I, I, I love OPS, and I like war. I'm not anti-war like a lot of people are. Right. But, like, OPS, there's this standard of, hey, you know, what is it, 800 is league average, and, you know, 900 is good, 1,000 is elite, right? Mm -hmm. And I, and there are there are further breakdowns. Right. Like that. But, like, right. what? okay, so if, if, if you take this Corsi, mm -hmm. right, what, what is elite? What what is the best of the best for a team with this metric? Yeah, you won't find many teams above fifty five percent. Anything considered above fifty percent, if you're breaking even, that's that's positive. Obviously, teams that are around fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven, they're almost a lock for the playoffs every year. And if you go back and look at Cup winners in the past, course, he's been tracked really since two thousand eleven, twelve ish. Um, oh, it's every, super new. It's wow. super new, and that goes for the entire wave of hockey analytics. But if you look at the past Cup winners, every single Cup winner is going to be ranked within the top ten teams for the lead, for the year in Corsi. So it is it is predictive, um, and it is relied on. Um, scoring chances is is another stat you can apply percentage wise, but Corsi is the but one. Like, right, but but here's my problem. Like in baseball, we've seen it now. Now OBP is flashed everywhere. Mm -hmm. OPS is flashed yeah. everywhere. Yep. You hear war talked about now. I've never seen Corsi in a hockey broadcast, so help me. Right? No, you would you wouldn't see it displayed, you know, next to goals, assists, and points yet. It's not that mainstream. You'll hear commentators mention it, um, and then usually with a brief kind of explanation, this is what it is. But um, I don't think it has gained a, as as much relevance yet as something like OPS. But is it you believe it's trustworthy, right? It is very trustworthy. I don't yeah. want to mislead people no, who no, start looking is, at this crap. This is this is real. I mean, this this is there's enough data now that suggests this can be trusted on to predict which teams um, are real contenders every year. Corsi's one. Now, where yeah. do you, where do you find it? 
You can find it on on stat on websites like Corsica is is kind of the mainstream hockey, um, but it's not on ESPN. Website. No, you won't find uh, it on ESPN. Uh, what is it? With NHL, you NHL, guys NHL that you can't just be normal. NHL.com launched a new uh, a website, kind of reboot in 2015, and they included it. They call them enhanced stats, and they they represent it as just a shot attempt percentage, so it doesn't have the Corsi name. Uh, but you can find it on NHL.com. Just why not do you under hockey, the name. Why do you hockey guys got to be so different? I don't know. I, it's it's a, we're doing ourselves a disservice, I think, by by not being more mainstream. People like to be different within hockey. I don't know why. Let me. I want to ask you just a few general ones because this. I mean, I, I want to start trying to understand Corsi. I want to start trying to like obviously shot attempts. We've all watched games. Yeah. Team, team finishes with seventeen shots, gets outshot thirty eight seventeen, and wins. Shot attempts can be misleading. Puck right. possession can be misleading. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's my biggest misgiving with hockey now. Not when I was a teenager and in my early 20s and I loved it. But now, being a guy who I love analytics, I like quality, I like knowing that the better team is winning, that phrase of like puck luck drives me insane. And it also is what drives me insane about the hockey playoffs is that you can have this unbelievable effort, unbelievable game, and then this most ridiculous bounce ever. There's no other sport like it. Yeah. But is is puck luck, like you're a hockey lifer. I mean, is that just, do you get pissed off when you hear people like me complain about puck luck? Do you think, well, that's hockey, that's what we do? No, and I understand it, especially now, because the league right now is tighter than ever. And so it's so often games are being decided by puck luck, because there is just a thicket of teams, you know, the 20 mid middling teams in the league that are pretty much separated by razor-thin differences. And so games really are decided by a bounce here and a bounce there almost every single night. Um, so if you can't get past that, then you're going to have a hard time watching the sport. See, but you earn your luck, right? And I think hockey is built on the culture of earning your breaks. And but see, what you discussed right there, that is part of my problem with trying to get back into the sport. And, right. I, and I admit this, whether it's with the listeners by day, where, look, the Wings are in a rebuild. And I know they're winning more games lately, which pisses me off because <laughs> I want to lose for you. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. My point is, all the teams look the same. I mean, you you know most years, like obviously over the last decade, you knew that the Penguins and the right. Kings and the Blackhawks, those were, they were really good teams. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Kings not so much. They're ancient now. But yeah. I just, I turn it on. I can't differentiate any of these teams. I can't watch it and stylistically nine times out of ten, they all look the same. Yeah. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. And I think to prove that point, the team that kind of defined that was the Golden Knights last year. I mean, this is a team that took everyone's spare parts, essentially, players that teams decided to discard, and they end up winning the Western Conference. So that's, again, it it speaks to the level of the lack of separation between the great players and the good players and the not-so-good players. It's so thin. Um, And so that's—but that's when things like coaching um, make a big difference. All right, rundown. Now now you're going to get the flex because I want want you to teach people and give people names. Right now, give me the three guys that if they are on TV— the average guy sitting at home, mm-hmm. give the game 10 minutes to see a couple of shifts. Yeah. Give me the top. Now, I'm not saying the top three best players. Mm-hmm. Most fun, most entertaining guys to watch right. for fringe hockey fans. Give me three. Connor McDavid is is number one every time. He's and, also and the best player. He's the best player on the on the face of this earth. Uh, I think I think he has uh, surpassed Crosby in that department. But he's electric. I mean, he's the best skater in the league, and he also has a set of hands that are like grease. I mean, this guy has got the full package. He is worth your time every single time he takes the ice. 
Um, a lesser-known player is Miko Rantanen. He's lost everybody. Yeah. There, there it is, Roberto. <laughs> he plays for the Avalanche, but he leads the league in points right now. And not enough people know about Miko Rantanen. He is a, a surefire star. I know Roberto knows a lot about Miko Rantanen. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, He's got a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Beat for Miko. Yeah, be, yeah, Miko Rantanen. You can't miss the guy. And and to bring it back full circle, um, I've always loved to watch Ovechkin. I think anytime the puck Still. is on, I think anytime the puck is on his stick, he is someone that you can lock in on and enjoy the just the the energy he plays with. Most overrated player in the league. Ooh, that's loaded. I I like that. Um, I'll I'll let you name two. Okay, but I'd prefer one. You prefer one. I've never, and this is a guy who damn near won the heart, not uh, the the Ted Lindsay Trophy a couple of years ago. But oh, who could forget? Jakub Voracek, I think, scores a boatload of points, and I, I never, I've never thought he is a superb player. And that could be my Rangers bias filtering through, and, and you know, um, hating on a flyer. But I've never seen uh, him as as an elite player. But he does rack up elite points. All right, best defensive defenseman. Mm. Best defensive defenseman. Yep. Mark Edward Vlasic, I think, on the Sharks is a terrific shutdown defenseman um, who doesn't rack up points, but he's someone you can put out against any pair. Obviously, Char is there, too, but he's hurt now. Best offensive defenseman. Best offensive? Oh, obviously, Dennis Chlowski on the wings. <laughs> no, God no. help us all. <laughs> Jesus. No, the best offensive defenseman is hands down Eric Carlson. Uh, it has been. It will continue to be. He's How are his feet still in one piece? It's, it's, a, it's amazing. It, no, it, I'm serious. For people who haven't. Yeah. Realized what Eric Carlson has gone through, uh, dude. Whatever he's paying his doctors, double it. Yeah, no, he he's a, a marvel. Um, and I'm happy he's out of Ottawa because that whole situation up there is just one big disaster. Who were you happier to see leave the hellhole they were in? Eric Carlson leaving oh, John, Ottawa. I know where you're or going. Or Johnny Tavares leaving the Islanders. Johnny Tavares, uh, because he also he leaves a hellhole and ends up at his boyhood team, which you have to love. And it's the Dallas Cowboys of hockey. Exactly. Like it is this team with a national it's in a metropolitan city. Yes. They're the Maple Leafs for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he deserved that spotlight, and he never got it in New York. Uh, playing but he also the, didn't the, the want it, too. No, that's Let's true. Be fair. That's I, true. I don't want to do some deep dive. You know, this isn't Lighthouse Radio. But right. Like, <laughs> right. No, seriously. I, I just, he never wanted it. That's why Tavares is such yeah. a weird dude. Like, he just, unassuming, uh-huh. creature habit, doesn't love the spotlight. Yep. But, yeah, I, I was happy to see him get out, even though he's, I, I like, if the Islanders ever put it together, I, I think I could find my way back. Right. But I think I'm the byproduct of two things. A, I'm not your typical East Coaster is that I love college sports because I went to school in the Midwest. Yeah. On the East Coast, you don't really care about college sports. You dedicate all to professional. Yeah. And the other thing was I, I basically liked the Detroit Lions or the L.A. Clippers of hockey. The yeah. Islanders took it out of me. I mean, I was a diehard. So that's that's the hard part for me is I was actually – I know the Islanders are never going to put it together. Right. I mean, they've got Lou Lamarillo building this thing, and he's 106 years old. Yeah, he's signing Leo Komarov to four-year deals. Uh, that's, that's, that's that's enough. But you're also the byproduct of a, of growing up watching a team in its dynasty. I mean, the, the 80s Islanders were the best team, maybe the best franchise ever, ever in sports. No, you know what I had? I had LaFontaine yeah. for a minute. But the team that I loved most, and I and this is where people who listen to, to my radio show don't get it, is I was a diehard. I mean, the Islander teams of Benoit Hogue and Derek King and Pierre Turgeon and yeah. Stevie Thomas, Scott Lachance, Mick Vakoda, uh, you know, Glenn Healy, that 93 yeah. run by that team 
is still one of my favorite teams because when you're a kid, it's innocent. Like, I know you have that, you identify with a Giants team like that because, uh-huh. well, whatever you were doing, bobsledding or whatever it was, you got in a terrible accident right. in the hospital for a month, and the Giants took you through that playoff run. And they you did. Fell in love with them. Yeah. That Islander team in 93, when Dale Hunter destroyed Turgeon, and, you know, we still ended up moving on, upset in the Penguins, game seven, OT, yeah. David Volick in Pittsburgh. Those teams yeah. loved them. I was a diehard every night on Sports Channel. But just when your team alienates you like that, yeah. at a certain point, you're just kind of done. And that's the hard part for me is I want to get back in. Mm-hmm. I do. And I look, going to a hockey game, there ain't nothing like it. It's fast. It's awesome if you can get in the lower bowl. Watching it on TV, it's a little tougher. Yeah. I think that's something hockey's got to go through where it's not. I don't think it's a great TV sport, to be quite honest with you. It's very hard to follow for fringe fans. They, they don't get it. Do they bring back the, the Fox puck tracks with that? All right, time out. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I'm probably going to get killed for it. And your hockey nistas are going to kill me for it. Uh, I'm not saying bring bring it back like it was. Oh, you're like making when a it case almost, for this, aren't you? Well, I remember watching. Wasn't it Chris Pronger who almost died when he got hit with a slap <laughs> shot? And you saw the laser beam go into his chest and he just collapsed. You're like, that's not good. <laughs> right. The technology has had to come along where it doesn't need to be this spray-painted blue line. <laughs> right. Yes. I would bring back the glow puck because wow. the app. Well, I mean, Will, you got to understand a lot of people they didn't grow up with it like you. And if they want to get into it, yeah. ultimately, if you want your sport to get more coverage and you want your sport to be more successful, you got to cater to people. Oh, I know. Like me. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the glow puck. Yeah. Be quite honest with you. All right. So let me ask you this because this, this is another one. Why does everybody hate Pierre Maguire the way they do? I know I'm not a hockey purist, yeah. and I may not have a right to ask this question. Everyone hates this man, <laughs> and I don't understand why. I personally like him. People hate him because he comes off as a know-it-all who who knows where your uncle's dog walker's college roommate's son went to played in juniors back in 1973, and he comes in and butts in on every player and has to announce their entire biographical family tree. Um, I I like him. I think he adds some good color to the broadcast. But hockey fans, for some reason, uh, kind of reject him. But I'm not kind of. I'm not one of them. They talk I'm, about I'm, him like I'm on the Satan. I'm on the dock, the dock train for sure, the Pierre Maguire train. All right, I, I had to ask. All right, real quick, I want to get a prediction from you. We'll revisit it in a okay. few months. Okay. Give me. I don't need a winner, but give me your Stanley Cup final right now. Right now, and this is assuming that Andre Vasilevsky can come back and is healthy for mm, February, March on. It's Tampa in the East, and it's San Jose in the West. Well, then let me just finish this with the, the right way then for the Detroiters that are listening. Tampa goes, does the deal, you yeah. know, uh, you know, the whole Iserman thing's been covered. Does Stevie come home, yes or no? Yes. Okay. So, all right, Jack Hughes. And, and I, I think it's always dangerous when people compare and they go, oh, he's in that McDavid Crosby yeah. conversation. Yeah. Is this kid really at that level? No, I don't think he's McDavid, Austin Matthews, turn your team around the first second season immediately um I, I think there he's a tier below that um but he is a a legitimate building block he's a he's a number one center that you can build around um 
but no, he's not quite on the McDavid, Crosby, Matthews level. What's his comp, skill-wise? Like, it's easy for me yeah. to say lose for Hughes. I don't care. I don't care what position he plays. If he's that good, I'll take him. Yeah. Last year, it was the you were watching that 17-year-old Swedish kid, Dahlin, or whatever his name yeah. is, in Buffalo now. Hey, well, I couldn't pick. The guy could deliver a pizza in my house. I wouldn't know who he is. I don't <laughs> right. care. Let's get him. Yeah. What's his comp, skill-wise? He's a little player. I mean, he, he is small in stature. Um, I, I think that right away, you begin comparing him to someone like Johnny Gaudreau. Um, but Gaudreau may be more of a goal scorer, but he's a playmaker. He's, he's, a, he's a small, shifty, creative playmaker. And, and um, two-way centers and playmaking centers are probably the most valuable commodity in, in the NHL right now. So you need players like that, and he fits that bill perfectly. I know you got to run. I appreciate it. All right, thanks Thank a lot, you, Mike. Will. Pleasure. You got it.